have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zelinsky. The Green New Deal appears to be the number one headline in the news, and it is not going anywhere. But is this New Deal really new? This green agenda is not about saving the planet as its creators are quick to espouse. It is instead the re-implementation of an ancient pagan imperial doctrine that seeks to destroy the world's nation-states, implement global governance, and drastically reduce the world's population. The new religion of Gaia is in fact a revival of paganism that rejects Christianity altogether and considers its followers to be its biggest enemy. Gaia is a cunning mixture of science, paganism, eastern mysticism, and feminism and has made this pagan cult the fastest growing religion on the planet. It views the Christian faith as the only obstacle preventing the formation of a global religion centered on uniting all forms of life around the goddess of Mother Earth. In her critically acclaimed book, Green Gospel, author, researcher, and broadcaster Sheila Zielinski demolishes what you think you know about the Green New Deal. She exposes how the claim that the human-induced global warming and the green agenda were diabolical plans deliberately hatched decades ago by the UN and are the greatest frauds of our time. Green Gospel unpacks the greatest deception of our era and takes you through the astonishing who, what, when, where, and why of the Green New Deal and explains what it's really all about. Get your copy of Green Gospel today. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Sheila Zielinski Show today. A big shout out to all the listeners over there on Satellite Radio, all my terrestrial channels, Worldwide Christian Radio, which is shortwave. A big shout out to Global Star Radio. And of course, we're broadcasting now as of this month on Sirius XM Satellite. And we want to just give a big shout out to all the people around the globe. Hey, if you want to sponsor the show, we've got a very robust audience. Reach out to us over there at SheilaZielinski.com. You want to get your message out to a very robust of like-minded Christians? Well, give us a shout on the contact form over there at Sheila Zielinski. And I encourage people to sign up for Patreon. We've got some really exciting, exclusive things for March. And speaking of exciting and coming up in March, boy, oh boy, I cannot believe it's halfway through February already. Well, I'm really, really excited today. You are in for a very special rare treat. He's one of my top three Canadian men. And you know what? I know a lot of Canadian boys. And I'm going to tell you something. This guy is truly an incredible man. He's so brave, courageous, heroic. I really consider it an honor for him to be my friend and my cohort. And I'm really looking forward to trying to get out to an event. We're going to talk about really exciting stuff coming up. And I could go on and on all day about this guest's very impressive bio. But without further ado, it is the one, the only, the Grizzly Patriot. He 
hails out of Saskatchewan, Canada. It is the one and only Mark Friesen. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to come on the program, sir. Welcome. Thanks, Sheila. Nice to be with you. Well, listen, there's so much going on, and I think a lot of people around the globe have a lot of confusion. I know they do because they send me the emails. Look what's happening in Canada. It is a very different picture for other countries as they look in on Canada. Mark, for the people listening around the globe, what is important for them to know sort of after the dust settles on the Freedom Convoy? Really, you know, for people that don't get it and Canadians too that are that are listening. Of course, there's lots of Canadians. What's important for people to understand here as we're going into 2023, like to set the tone? All of the insanity that everybody's experiencing, all of this upside-down world, is all attributable to one agenda, the head of the snake, which is Agenda 2030, the Sustainable Development Agenda. That's the root cause of all the insanity. Everything that we're experiencing, everything that's in the media, everything that frustrates us and our daily lives and and impacts us uh, and our daily lives is related to that agenda. All of it. You know, this agenda has been in the works for a very long time, since the late 60s was when it was first conceptualized. And it's evolved and morphed into what it is today, Agenda 2030. It used to be referred to as Agenda 21 and Agenda for the 21st Century. Now it's Agenda 2030 because they want to reach all of these 17 goals by 2030. And if you look at each one of the goals, ultimately what this is, is hypercentralization of governance, hypercentralization of control of the people, and that's globally, and then hypercentralization and control of the resources on the planet. And of course, a major element to this agenda is also depopulation and population control. So people need to understand that all of the insanity that they're experiencing is relative to this agenda that our excessive governments have committed us to. If you look at the 17 goals of sustainable development, used to be eight, then it moved to 10, now it's 17. It really is about controlling all aspects of your life, your livelihood, uh, industry, energy, food production, food distribution, what you can eat, when you can eat it, the air you breathe, literally everything, where you live, where you work, all of these things are, are impacted by this agenda. So the sooner that more Canadians and more people throughout Western civilization understand that this insanity is relative to this agenda, the more we'll be able to oppose it. And we need more people on board. We need more people to understand what's affecting their lives. And and so that's what it is. Well, I'm really glad you said the air we breathe. I mean, I've written extensively about this over the years, mentioned a couple of really key points I want to get into and further develop. Now, the name Maurice Strong, I'm sure for you comes to mind, but it's amazing to me how many Canadians have no clue about the Club of Rome, the impact right. of the United Nations. Well, look at even and recently we're dealing with UNDRIP, the United Nations Indigenous Rights Program. I mean, I've been unpacking that for years. That is straight out of the pits of hell. Of course, we have a carbon tax, which they don't call it a carbon dioxide tax, I notice. Carbon right. is a black city piece of coal. It's black and city. Really, the God-given necessary byproduct for human life, Mark, is now being demonized by the EPA <laughs> as a deadly right. poison. So what you exhale is now, we're being fined for breathing. You ever thought you'd see that? 
that. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what they're doing. And and it's interesting when you get into this discussion and you actually learn what the actual real science is, you become fairly enlightened. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, CO2 is is plant food. And we need, <laughs> yeah. we need more of it. If we get down to 150 parts per million, all life on Earth begins to die. That we're going to hit net zero yeah. in CO2 emissions is pure insanity. Well, what that is, is actually, as William Happer, the renowned, how old is he? 80, something like six years. And he said, listen, we should be at about 1,200 parts per million of CO2. Mm -hmm. And right now, he said, we're hoovering around maybe 700, even lower. And Mark made a good point, folks, that are listening. If you drop below a certain parts per million, when trees die, you die. Like, do people get that, Mark? Well, (laughs) this all leads into, there's a document that came out of the UN in 2012 where they were trying to figure out the best way to fund sustainable development agenda because at that time they had estimated it would cost somewhere in the ballpark of five trillion dollars annually yeah so they're trying to figure out ways to fund this agenda and one of the ways they came up with was to demonize co2 and then charge for it so there's a carbon tax that we're paying and there's carbon pricing schemes that are included in all of this so they're literally charging us for the air we exhale and that our cars put into the atmosphere and again there was a study that came out of the lancet a couple of years ago where they brought together a bunch of scientists to tell them why it is that the earth has been greening so much in the last couple of decades. So they could have saved themselves a ton of money. They could have just called me. I would have told them because I'm an arborist. I work in the tree service industry. I understand trees. I understand photosynthesis. Trees, plants, vegetation love co2 in fact greenhouse operators pump 2500 parts per million into their greenhouses to encourage plant growth so this research group came back reported back and said yes because there's more co2 in the atmosphere more greening is happening on the surface of the earth so the benefit to that of course is more plants bigger plants more vegetation more food for animals which then equates to more food for a growing population on the planet. And we're all part of this, you know, symbiotic relationship. The other benefit to this is more plants, more greening, uh, more vegetation on the planet means we're going to cool the planet. Instead of putting up black solar panel farms where everything is completely devastated underneath them and the black panels attract energy from the sun, which only serves to heat the surface of the earth, everything they're doing is completely backwards in in relation to actual science. But this is the thing. Science doesn't matter to these people. It's all about control. That's right. And they want to hoard control into this global governance model. So what they do is they have the media who's all on their side through the what they call the media compact at the UN. And all these media conglomerates have agreed to continue to promote this agenda and all aspects of it. The light your hair on fire climate hoax. And that's what it is. So it's propaganda and people buy it and because they think they're informed if they watch 6 o'clock news or they watch CNN, they think they're informed. And unfortunately, they're not. 
they're only ingesting pure propaganda right right from the mainstream so i mean that's 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 it that's what it is it's a complete funding mechanism and the pravda as i call the north american mainstream news is very much a propaganda churning machine we already know that trudeau funds out of his own mouth the cbc it's the absolute propaganda arm of the liberal party so the media is really a huge issue i'm glad you mentioned that but earlier you also mentioned depopulation and as we saw on the Georgia Guidestones, they want a nice little manageable population of about 500 million people to 1 billion. But Mark, what I want to know is what happens to all the rest of the 6 billion people? The Pope, his own, I covered in Green Gospel, the Pope's own science advisor himself said to a group of people in New York City that really the population should be a nice manageable around 1 billion, preferably less than that. I have played the Maurice Strong saying, you know, I got a little bit of trouble years ago for saying women should have licenses to have children. I mean, he is, people don't understand how evil Maurice Strong, who was also the United Nations Secretary General, the first one, is kind of the poster boy, the progenitor of this whole movement. Then you have guys like, of course, Paul Ehrlich, Population Bomb, Ecoscience. I mean, these guys say on record, Mark, they suggest sterilants in the drinking water. That's what Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood said. I mean, is that shocking? Well, I, I recommend to anybody listening, go to my Twitter. My pinned tweet is a guy by the name of Dennis Meadows, the co-author of the book called Limits to Growth, which really is a foundational piece yes. for the sustainable development agenda. And there's a there's a two-minute, 20-second interview of him where he proclaims, and as the architect or one of the architects of this agenda and a, and a co-founder of the Club of Rome, he says very clearly that we only have two options. We could live with about, and this is his words, we could live with about eight or nine billion, but we have to live under a very strong dictatorship (laughs) dictating the terms of everyone's life. Or conversely, we have to reduce the Earth's population from 7.5 billion down to 1 billion. So he wants to eliminate 6.5 billion people, and they can't do that overnight. There's a lot of different mechanisms that they use to tackle this idea of overpopulation. And of course, All of these ways are abortion, euthanasia, the trans movement, LGBTQ supremacy, the CO2 reduction, even fertilizer. If you reduce fertilizer by 30% and farmers' ability to to use it by 30%, that's only going to create mass starvation and famine around the world. And so all of these are are mechanisms of of population reduction. Again, you can't eliminate 6.5 billion people overnight. So in the interim, they need to have this dictatorship. And this is exactly what the architect, one of the architects of this agenda, says very clearly. I am really glad you mentioned limits to growth. Folks, don't take our word for it. Listen to this for yourself. Let's play that clip, Mark. In one way or another, we are so far, globally, we are so far above the population and the consumption levels, which can be supported by this planet, that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. I hope that it can occur in a a a civil way. The planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much much material consumption you want to to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. Conversely, you can have more people if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. But if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have a... but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence, so we're going to have a billion people. 
and we're now at seven, so we have to get back down. What kind of a demon would say something like this, Mark? I mean, what an evil megalomaniac would even say something like that out of his mouth. I can't say the word on air that I really think about them, but <laughs> here, here's the one of the sustainable development goals, folks. And let's tie it into what's happened in the last three years, Mark. And it's something that I actually, I know personally, three members of my family, my mother, sister, and brother, were all given vaccines. One of them is on a ventilator for 13 years in Vancouver Hospital. Mm. My mother uh, was called teleport personal story to the people that might not know this that are new listeners. She was given a vaccine for the swine flu, the H1N1, of course, in 2009 that just swept the nation, another pandemic, and she became an instant quadriplegic. She couldn't move from the neck down, and she's been on a ventilator ever since. My sister took the first jab, which was surprising that my sisters took it because I've been railing on this since 2009. Myocarditis she got. My brother died from a Pfizer shot. You know, these people are dropping dead everywhere. The mass murdering eugenicist Bill Gates of hell. His dad was head of Planned Parenthood. Right. This, they couch it in this seemingly benevolent guise of women's reproductive rights. That mm. means they want to butcher your right. baby and give you a death mm. job. That's it. Yes. And you've probably noticed as much as I have, you know, since COVID, there's a lot more people that are paying attention. There's a lot more people that are awake. It's not even close to enough, obviously. But, you know, I used to speak to a black hole where nobody was listening. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're filling town hall events across the country because people are thirsty. There's a number of people that are thirsty and hungry for the truth. So we have to we have to give that to them. So it is it is turning. It's just not as fast as either of us would like. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, nothing got a lot of traction back in the day, but I'm so glad that people are finally waking up. That's a great point, Mark. Now let's jump into the World Economic Forum. I mean, come on, folks, this organization and its leaders are straight out of the bells of hell. You have evil James Bond villain Klaus Schwab, who says you'll have nothing to be happy. We know that he has in his pocket all these young global leaders the young global leaders as he calls it what an absolute demon this guy is in my opinion mark are you going to eat the bugs for- <laughs> well so it, that's that's an interesting thing we have to we have to expose who they are and and what they represent because right now there's conservative governments around the world around western civilization that are denouncing the world economic forum but what they're not telling the people, particularly our conservative party here in Canada, is they're actually responsible for committing to this agenda in 1992. The Conservative Party of Canada made it law in this country in 2008, which compels our government in Canada to report the progress in achieving the goals of sustainable development to an unelected, unaccountable foreign entity, which is the UN. And they signed it again in 2015, September 27th of 2015, Harper signed on to 20, Agenda 2030. So Pierre Polivar, the now leader of the Conservative Party, runs around the country <laughs> telling every denouncing the World Economic Forum. Well, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you'd never address Agenda 2030 and the SDGs that their party has committed us to. 
so when I, I had the opportunity to ask Pierre, uh, he came to an event in Saskatoon on the, on his campaign for leadership. And, uh, so I attended, I was hoping he would offer a, a question and answer period, which of course they didn't. So I had to pretend <laughs> I wanted a picture with him for two and a half hours. And then I got my chance and we recorded the discussion and I asked him, I said, so you've denounced the world economic forum vehemently. Do you denounce the agenda 2030 sustainable development agenda the SDGs. And he completely denied knowing anything about it. <laughs> yeah. He said, I don't know what it is. I've never read it, which is a complete lie. Yeah. He's voted for at least six times. He's been sat on sustainable development committees. He was part of the Harper government when Harper made it law. He's actually kept the budget where they took $41 million and dedicated it to the SDGs. Um, and Pierre Pulliver said nothing as opposition critic, finance critic. So, you know, he knows he just can't admit it. And the reason why he can't admit it is because the party that he leads is actually responsible for it in this country. That's why they avoid it at all costs. So go ahead and play that clip. How you doing? What's your name? Mark, thanks for coming. Hey, we're doing a shot here. I have one question. Oh, yeah. I love you guys. Fire away. You denounced the world. Yes. Yes. You denounced the U.S. sustainable development agenda, the SDGs. I haven't read it. I don't know what it is. You haven't read it? No, I haven't. That's interesting. Do you want to do a shot? Sure. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right. I'll, I'll have to look at it. Yes. You I don't do you know, I have a simple rule. If I haven't read it, I don't comment on it. You need to read it. It's extremely Thank important. Thank you for the good, good recommendation. Absolutely. I'll have a look at it. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. The ignorance of Canadians really addressed this Pierre Pulliver situation for the Canadians. Yeah, so and, and, and so one of the things that I, I, I have to identify in all of this is people need to understand that the World Economic Forum in and of itself is purely a support mechanism for the overall agenda, Agenda 2030. They, they, Klaus Schwab was tapped in 1971 to create the World Economic Forum as a support mechanism for this agenda. And that's exactly what he's been doing all these decades since. And that's exactly what he's doing now. It's a support mechanism. He brings in all the multinationals, all of the oligarchs, all of the big tech. He brings them in to partner in achieving the goals of this agenda. And of course, all of these multinationals, oligarchs and big tech, they're all in on it. They all recorded record profits through COVID, of course, while small business and medium-sized business all struggled and suffered. So that's we, we need to understand that and have context around that. So when Pierre denounces the World Economic Forum, it doesn't mean anything because he's not addressing the, the head of the snake, which is the SDGs. And so we know that the Conservative Party is what they are. Again, they signed it in 92, committed us to it in 92. They made it law in 2008. They signed it again in uh, the Harper government in 2015. And everything that, that we hate about Trudeau, everything that we detest about his government, is related to the agenda that Harper committed us to in September of 2015. Every bill, every OIC, every government bureaucratic policy is related and attributed to the sustainable development agenda, the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals. Everything Trudeau has done since being elected is in compliance with that agenda. Now, when Trudeau was first elected, four days after being elected, he did an interview with the New York Times. He referred to our country as the first post-national state, <laughs> a country that has no core identity. Now, 
that flew over the head of most Canadians. He wasn't speaking to Canadians. He was speaking to his handlers at the UN and World Economic Forum, telling them that he's fully committed in achieving the goals of sustainable development. And that's what that means when you say post-national state. Well, that means the ceding of our sovereignty to an unelected, unaccountable foreign entity that is the UN and its agenda. That's right. Since that point, we have been under global governance. Any way you slice it, that's, that's the reality. And people need to understand this. And the conservatives are no better. They're just as responsible for this as the liberals are. Exactly. You made such an astute point because it's such a big kabuki theater, really, isn't it, Mark? It is. It's all theater. All of this controlled opposition, this opposition that the conservatives claim that they are, is theater. Every time we see uh, some sort of an exchange between Paul Levere and Trudeau or anybody else in his cabinet, it's theater to show the people that, oh, there is a little bit of opposition. And people buy it and they swallow it. And it's amazing to me. They're just as responsible as the liberals are. They're all the same, all of them. But at the end of the day, education information is the key to all of this. And, and people need to come to these town halls with an open mind and an understanding that, you know, there's a lot of information being shared here. And listen, at the end of the day, in 1992, when Brian Mulroney, the conservative prime minister, went to Rio to sign us on to Agenda 21, an agenda for the 21st century, otherwise known as the Rio Declaration. He didn't come back and then task all of his members of parliament to go back to their constituents and inform them of what he just committed us to. In fact, they did the opposite. They framed it as conspiracy theory. Right. (laughs) And named most of us that were railing against it as conspiracy theorists and ridiculed us, shamed us, dismissed us, even though we knew that they've committed to this agenda. This is what they're committed to. And so they did the opposite of informing the people. In fact, they conspired against their own people in regards to a a, a foreign, unelected, unaccountable entity creating an agenda that will only destroy everything that we cherish and in order for them to achieve the goals of sustainable development they need to destroy the values of freedom liberty sovereignty justice equality under the law prosperity and truth those are the values that they must bring down and dissolve in order for them to achieve these goals and so nobody told anybody about it it was hid from everybody that was only a social engineering and conditioning mechanism used to prepare the masses for what's yet to come that's right and what's yet to come 15 minute prison districts right where you can't leave your your 15 minute city and that's it And this is all to do because we're going to save the climate somehow. has nothing to do with it. They want you in the cities. They want you controlled. So people need to understand they have to have context with with all the insanity. They need to be able to connect the dots to understand what's really happening. Essentially, that's my mission. That's my, my life's work, I guess, from here on in, is to educate and inform as many people as to what's really happening and why it's happening. The more people that have a look around to see what's going on, the better off we're going to be. And that's only going to come, you know, once there's pain in people's lives. And that's... 
that's when they'll start to pay attention. There's a lot of people out there that walk around inside their bubble and inside their bubble, everything is fine. And they don't want people like Mark Friesen to burst their bubble. Unfortunately for all of those people, the reality of the situation is going to burst their bubble for them. And when that happens, hopefully they come to us for, for information to find out what's really happening. And uh, so that's what it's going to take. Unfortunately, we have some pain ahead of us, but that's all part of this process. And a lot of us have to take back the responsibility that we've abdicated for decades to politicians who we thought had our best interest at heart. And turns out they had absolutely no interest in our best interests. So we have to hold them accountable and re-engage and take back our responsibility as citizens who claim to cherish these values that are under attack. That's a really good way to put it, who claim to cherish our Canadian values. We were the dominion of Canada, and that's important. And as a Canadian, both you and I, I mean, I'm born and raised in Canada, in BC, spent a lot of time in the province that I love, Alberta. You know, I was approached about running as an independent in BC, but I think BC is pretty much hooped, really, and I've said that before, BC is really... Really, I mean, yeah. Vancouver is full on fire with these SDGs and it is it is a pit of hell, Mark. And yes. I've lived all over the United States and California even's got nothing on BC, <laughs> the socialist right. hellhole. But Mark, very quickly, where are you going to be for the folks that are listening? You've got a couple things coming up and how can people follow you? Yeah, so we, uh, we have an event in Calgary, March 4th, Calgary South Victory Church. I'm looking forward to that one myself and Mark Morano. Professor Salim Mansour and Archer Palowski. One other individual is going to be there speaking about UNDRIP. So yeah, looking forward to that event. That's going to be a a real good one. That's an important one on the calendar, March 4th, Calgary. And then of course, we're going to carry on and and continue on with our town hall uh, series. Probably head back to Southern Ontario, do a tour there of some major centers, and then probably start back again in Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba. I'm going to try to get out and see you on the 4th with our incredible friend Mark Morano. Arthur Pulowski, incredible Mm. man. You guys are my heroes, and I really support what you're doing, Mark. You're an incredible Canadian. I think I speak for my audience when I say thank you for what you are doing, sir. And I'm going to link, folks, all Mark's information, how you can follow him on social media, his website. And do you want to give out an email as well, Mark, for the folks? Yeah, sure. Info at ffcs.info. Frank, Frank, Charlie, Sierra, dot info. There you go, folks. Frank, Frank, Charlie, Sarah, dot info. All Mark's information is linked there in the description below. Mark, I want to just say on behalf of all my listeners and behalf of, I think I speak for Canadians, thank you for what you are doing. And everybody looks forward to seeing you out on March 4th. The poster's up on your screen, folks, and all the information's in the description below. And final thoughts, Mark Friesen. Thanks, Sheila. I greatly appreciate the platform, the opportunity. You know what? It's my pleasure, and I consider it my duty. There's a lot of people in this country that gave the ultimate sacrifice defending freedoms so I could live my childhood free, and I was very free, and that's under attack, and that's under threat. So I want my kids and my grandkids to have the same life that I had, and that's why I do what I do. Well, speaking from the great-granddaughter of a man who stormed the beaches of Normandy, the incredible Bruce Patterson, my grandfather, I will tell you one quick story, Mark. Uh, My grandfather at age 75 went into the doctor, and the doctor said, I can't find any medical records. When's the last time you were in the hospital, Bruce? And he said, Normandy. 
<laughs> he said, what? He said, yeah, I was shot and they forced me to get a medic. But mm-hmm. he never went to a doctor. And I'll tell you what, we've got a serious medical situation in our country. But Mark, that's men like you that are out there, you know, pounding the pavement. I think the fact that your boots on the ground and, you know, if we're not doing it for our kids and grandkids, what the hell are we even doing here, Mark? You know what I mean? 100%. Absolutely. Well, listen, it was great to have you on. And please come back and see us real soon. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, Mark. God bless. Folks, once again, that was the Grizzly Patriot, Mark Friesen. I've got his website and all of his information linked below. And again, get out to this March 4th event. Get some people together and get out to this location. The information is up on your screen. And if you want more information, you can reach out to them. The website is there as well. It's really, really important for us to be getting critical mass, folks. As Mark mentioned, there is not enough people that are woken up yet. There's still people living in that bubble that have no clue what's going on. Well, folks, tonight, I'm going to leave you with a clip from my favorite scientist, the incredible Richard Linston, and the amazing renowned Dr. William Happer. So on the way out, I'll leave you with this. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless. Richard Linson, William Happer, thank you both for coming on the show. It's an honor. President Biden is hosting a summit tonight, our time, to fight what he calls a climate emergency. Are they all right? Professor Linson, if I could start with you. No, of course not. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's amazing how you can get this sort of enthusiasm for something so profoundly implausible. If I trace back, it's it's a purely political narrative. The notion of climate as an existential threat is something even the enthusiasts for climate alarm don't suggest, not the UN's IPCC, uh, hardly anyone. But the politicians realize that uh, their political aims are so extraordinarily expensive and damaging that the only excuse they could give for them is that it's an existential threat. And for some reason, this appeals to them. Professor Happer, are you seeing the climate disasters, the terrible catastrophe that we're told day in, day out is confronting us? None of the terrible things you hear are happening. You know, the opposite is happening and that's completely expected because most of geological history, CO2 levels have been much higher than now. You know, they've been three, four, five times higher than now. And plants are adapted to growing at much higher CO2 levels. And of course, we depend on plant growth for our survival. And so there's nothing bad about increasing carbon dioxide. All of the objective evidence is that the increases in CO2 are benefiting the earth. You know, the earth is getting greener. Deserts are shrinking. It will get longer growing seasons, better crop yields. There's nothing to fear from warming. There's no... uh, value to anything that's being proposed by the politicians, even if you take the flawed computer models that are used to generate alarmist scenarios, they show that these horrendous measures, which will hurt poor people most, lower income people most, at most limit forecasted temperatures by a fraction of a degree. You can't even feel a fraction of a degree. People don't realize how small the effects of uh, CO2 are. Professor Linson? How do you take the temperature of the Earth? What would be the point of the prediction even? It wouldn't tell you anything about your location. That's true, and uh, none of us will be around to see whether it's true or not anyway.